This week's one-off, Buffy the Vampire Slayer Season 4, Episode 10, Hush. As if creepy heart-stealing doctors isn't enough, uh, they also have to float and look like Nosferatu with like Joker-like smiles. How scary do these bad guys have to be? Well, and the floating is such an awesome little detail that that I had forgotten in in coming back to this episode where I'm like, oh, all right, I remember these silent, creepy dudes. And like, oh, no, they also just, you know, wander the earth without touching it. It's creepy. Well, it, it makes them quieter. They're all about being quiet. So they just hover. They just float. And they have these smiles that are creepy and these teeth and the white faces that look like this old terrifying monsters. And then they have these like these like dancing um, ghouls in straight jackets. Yeah. No, it was like how I, I for the first like part of this episode I was like, ah, this is when did when did Buffy become like a college drama? <laughs> uh but then when they showed up it was like, oh, this is terrifying. <laughs> Yeah, I think I think the opening act of the episode, I'm I'm sitting there going, I don't remember any of this stuff being an important component of Buffy. Like it feels a little too relationship drama y and then all of a sudden they just crank it up to eleven in the creepiness. If they just floated and had creepy faces and smiles, that would have been pretty scary. But then the fact that they were doctors and they were stealing hearts out of people who couldn't scream, like, oh, that just made it creepier. Well, and there's this great moment midway through the episode where the creepy doctors are all like mock clapping for one of them because of what yeah, he like, did. Oh, good work. That was a wonderful. And, and he does that, <laughs> oh, stop it gesture. Yeah. And I was horrified. Like, I didn't think that I could be horrified by someone saying, oh, stop it silently. <laughs> yeah, it was terrifying. Was, they, they were the they were the, the good work on bad guys. Those are some pretty bad, bad guys. Like, I mean, there was a clear correlation between this and Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Yeah. Um, with this, like the dreaming thing and seeing into dreams and all even like the kid nursery rhyme being sung slowly is very nightmare on elm street number two or three i don't know dream warriors whichever one that is <laughs> but it's like it was like i was like oh this is very nightmare on elm street and dreams and stuff like that Ooh, i can't wait to see who the bad guys are but they weren't in dreams they were freaking real they were real they were real i think uh, a different episode of buffy had dream monsters so you know mm, they couldn't they couldn't double dip yeah they couldn't double dip into the dream monster territory and, and yeah. they didn't. Yeah. And and this one, you can see the connection between these baddies and what Joss Whedon will later do in Firefly with the uh, oh the operatives, not the operatives. The two by two hands of blue. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those the blue, blue sun corporation. Yeah. You can you can see him thinking about this, the things that made these villains in Hush so effective uh, and and how he he tries to kind of replicate that in Firefly. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's it's hard because these this is such a perfect iteration of them. They're so great as silent villains and creepy doctors and uh, it's hard to top. Yeah, I think they were they were very very effective. Yeah, well, like everything they did was scary. I can I can barely remember 
other Buffy villains. Like that's that's how like and I've seen the entire series before, but these these villains have stuck with me for years because they're just creepy and they're they're a perfect monster of the week. Yeah, which leads us to like I think I guess the the mainest main, mainest the mainest <laughs> the main theme of this whole episode of of silence. Yeah. Right? Like the reason they were so scary was because they never said anything. They would just smile at each other and like gently tilt their heads and float and point and gesture like should we go into this room and then they would go in and cut a guy's heart out <laughs> like that was uh without ever saying a single word and i think that that like extra because in the silence we can imagine what they might say or what they're actually saying and so in that 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 sense of like we we think of the worst things they could be saying to each other well and i found myself in this episode more aware of the noises that I was making, which was which was strange because I don't I don't think of myself as somebody who gasps or or, or makes a I mean sometimes I'll pause a TV show and talk to the person I'm with because I'm that kind of jerk but uh, I don't like I'm not aware of my body and while watching this I was aware of my breathing and I was aware of when I held my breath because I was a little anxious and all sorts of stuff that. Normally, I wouldn't be tuned into, but because the way this episode played with a voice, I I found myself very much more aware. Hmm. Mm, interesting. Yeah, because I would I've never heard you gasp. Yeah, I I don't. Maybe I don't even gasp. Maybe it was I gasped in this episode because these characters couldn't. You know, like <laughs> mm, it, was, it was your first gasp. You went. <gasps> What is your? Can I hear your gasps? Now? Well, I don't know if I can. I can do it on command. Like that's. Well, like just do this. <gasps> hey, that was pretty good. Yeah, but you can gasp. But it felt a little theatrical, <laughs> you know. It was. <laughs> <laughs> mine weren't though. Mine were. Mine were authentic. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, so one of the, I mean, obvious themes of this episode is communication and communication breakdown. And the whole, which is actually like that—that that whole classroom scene at the beginning that turns out to be a dream. Yeah, classroom scenes, man. I mean, I don't know. I I hardly remember Buffy because I don't didn't watch lots of it. But uh, classroom scenes, I assume they do this all the time, where they have the scene of the classroom state the theme of the TV show. You know, I I don't remember it happening a lot in Buffy. Uh, I mean, it must have, but it feels like this episode they were really trying to be on the nose about it yeah because like what a great mechanism for that though you know a classroom like have a teacher just say like so today class we're talking about and then name the theme of the show (laughs) and then there you go this episode was a little strange because like one of the one of the kind of key messages of like look at how naked and true we are when we're not wearing words and and look at look at how honest we can be when we're not caught up in what we're trying to say and, and that happens again and again throughout the episode, mostly with the relationship stuff that's going on. Mm, the college drama. Yeah, yeah. But it also, I mean, little things like the way uh, Xander thinks that Willow is talking about her breasts when she's pointing to her heart. Or everyone thinks Buffy is making a masturbation joke. And it's like they're they're all jokes, but they're kind of getting at like, oh yeah, no, this is... This is what we are when we're not caught up in speech. Hmm. Which 
I I don't know. I guess I I think that that message is kind of a silly one, considering like speech is the thing that makes us human. <laughs> like. Yeah. Well, what was it? What was it? The the teacher said something about how like the moment before you speak. Yeah. And what you actually mean to say, or something like that. And get it, I, I can't remember because all I could think was like, oh, this is clearly a dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but yeah so I, I i i think what where the theme really plays out and i don't mind, like is is the ending mm-hmm. which we're just gonna talk about the ending now let's just do it uh best ending best ending for this episode with the line we have to talk uh, yeah i guess i guess we have to talk and then they don't talk which is i think like uh, a great example of like the the silence is the communication they they can't even though they they have words, they still can't communicate. And so the words aren't really helping. I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Well, I do. I do. I mean, this is this is such a self-contained little episode where even, I think, if you didn't know the characters watching it, you get a sense of what's going on pretty well. And, and the relationships are pretty clear. And that moment at the end where they both have so much to say to each other and their relationship has been permanently changed, and yet at the same time, they're still the same people that they were, you know, 45 minutes prior to us watching it, where they couldn't really communicate with each other because they're still awkward, maybe not teenagers anymore. Well, I, yeah, it was the, it's the, the, like, they have all these words to talk about what's going on, but they don't even know where to start. Mm-hmm. But earlier when they weren't, they had no words and they saw each other, they would just, they, they automatically fought next to each other and saved each other and helped each other and they didn't question it and they kissed and like everything was very, you know, they, they could, they, they could communicate better when they weren't allowed to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But as soon as they had to actually talk about it, they couldn't find the words because how do you talk about that? Yeah. How do you, how do you talk about the madness of, of what just happened and and you know the the reality of the situation i think you're right yeah so i think i think and i just think the ending really kind of gave you that little ooh, look at that it was better off when they couldn't talk yeah it was a tight little button too and and i mean obviously a a really clever button too we need to talk cut to them not talking you know yeah i mean i saw it coming yeah from like a mile away i was like he's gonna say we need to talk and then he did and i was like nailed it (laughs) <laughs> but still great great end well and to get meta for a moment so the other up episode of buffy that was recommended to us by by listeners was season six episode seven once more with feeling yeah where they sing yeah which is a musical episode where they're all there's a demon that causes them all to sing their feelings their true feelings yeah i believe it goes something like this and i will walk through the fire and let it burn that's that's exactly it actually that's the entire episode for 44 minutes just that's one of those song buffy sings she walks through the fire i think it might be the only song that sarah michelle geller sings in the entire episode because she can't sing no she also sings later where she says something about how she was in heaven oh yeah yeah she has like two lines in that one solid mm-hmm. but interesting that the the audience uh chose these two episodes which are both about communication and about how the way that we reveal ourselves both in silence but also in music it there's something kind of fun and meta about that 
Yeah, well, something how the the hush, the silence makes you uh, you can't use words to get in the way of communicating. Whereas the singing one was like your true feelings need to come out. Yeah, it's neat. It's neat. Yeah, well, and and they're two fan favorite episodes, so oh, it it's connected in that way. Okay. Speaking of silence and hush, mm-hmm. uh, they kiss in the middle there, right? We were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, did she give consent? Whoa. I hadn't even I hadn't even thought about the issues of consent around the two of them kissing there. <laughs> it was totally like it was the first one like as soon as they kissed, I was like, uh, she couldn't speak. I don't know if that's very fair, guy. You probably shouldn't do that. Uh, but I mean, I think it was consensual. It it was consensual. She may not have consented, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And I was like, oh, oh, oh. come on, buddy. Well, and and their entire, I mean, it it's been a while since I've been in those that stage of a relationship, so it's it's somewhat hard to remember. But the like, <laughs> they both know that they like that the other likes them. Like they're they're mm-hmm. talking with their buddies about how much the other definitely likes them and how they like them and yet yeah, they but, be, but be, yeah because they're both vampire slayers or whatever and whatever he is they can't <laughs> fall in love with each other yeah, they can. well I, but they also can't even like bring up the fact that they like each other like i don't know mm-hmm. it, it, it was it was strange for me just watching their it, it kind of took the tension out of the will they won't they because like they both already knew that they would <laughs> i don't know yeah i don't know i don't know but you're you're right to bring up the question of consent in a completely speechless environment. But I think there, are, I mean, there are clearly other ways of consenting other than saying yes, you can kiss me. Even oh, though, yeah, she could, definitely yeah. a power move if you ask a girl, "May I now kiss you?" Let me tell you. Okay. It's not a power move, Dave. It's not a power move at all. Okay. <laughs> Uh, I like that you got silent after I referred to power moves. <laughs> you're, you're, you're really not sure how to take that. So, uh, do vampires poop? <laughs> y- yes. Because Spike was eating food. Yeah. So he's got to poop it out, right? He he does. Yes, he he has and to. And does he take some nutrients from it? Or does he poop it out, like, exactly as it went in? Well, he takes nutrients from blood. Does he pee out the excess part of the blood, or does he need it for, like, hydration? I, I would guess that I would guess that the excess leaves him. I mean, otherwise vampires would just get really fat and bloated. Mm-hmm. And Spike is the definition of fit, so... Yeah, so he poops. Yeah, I, I'm team poop. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> just to get us off that... Awkward topic of power moves. <laughs> oh, I just brought it back. But the, I mean, Spike's Spike's a fun character in this, eh? This this brief, like, out of context, you see this dude who is just a vampire living in the house who gets tied to chairs sometimes. It's a weird character for someone who hasn't seen the show. Yeah, it's weird if you haven't seen the show or have uh, or understand any of the Buffy verse. But uh, to me, you know, I uh, I gotta confess. I've never liked Spike. You've never liked Spike? What's that? I, I hate Spike. I'm on Team Angel all the way. Oh, well, clearly. Yeah, Team Angel is 1,000% better. 
And when Angel spun off and made his own show, and then they were like, we need another vampire to be a good vampire. <laughs> they made Spike basically just replace Angel and do the same sort of thing of like trying to get a soul and stuff and la 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 la. And it's like, come on, that's Angel. Ugh. You don't need a vampire, guys. Well, I mean, what's the title of the show? Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And, uh, not uh, Buffy the Vampire Kisser. Yeah, but if week to week, like they're doing a monster of the week where this week's monster is fairy tale doctors and next week it's werewolves. I mean, you you gotta have vampires somewhere and Oh yeah, and you know what? Maybe I would have uh, I'd be I'd be better off if it was a vampire that wasn't like a the same as Angel. Yeah. Like kinda like 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 punk rock, like depressed. Emo. I don't know. Yeah, he he's tortured and brooding, and he wants a soul. And Spike was always funnier than Angel, uh, but it was, mm-hmm. but it like that character trait. I don't think was enough to make him a better character than the, because Angel's just awesome. I think like he 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 may be dark and brooding, but he's also a badass. Whereas Spike is mostly just uh, comic relief. Yeah, I don't know, and I never liked him. Yeah. It's fake blonde hair. Ugh. Well, did you know that I actually uh, I once had dyed my tips blonde to be like Spike? Not to be like Spike, no, because this was just the tips of my like you know when that 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 trend was yeah. where people would dye the tips of their hair. I believe they called it frosted tips. Frosted tips, cool. Yeah, I I did that. I think for prom. <laughs> so there are photos out there of me. With frosted tips. Can't wait to see this. Yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. I'm not going to lie. There are photos of me out there somewhere in the world with a checkerboard on my head. <laughs> like you're wearing it as a hat or you're balancing it? No, like I, my hair has been bleached and then uh, pink, a pink checkerboard is put into my hair. I'm sorry. I don't even understand the sentence that you just said. So if you imagine my hair is cut short and bleached, so it's like super blonde, and then there's pink squares dyed into it, so it looks like a checkerboard. Wow, you made some poor choices in high school. Yeah, there are some some photos of me out there, like a, as a fifteen or sixteen year old boy with a pink checkerboard dyed into my hair. I mean, like, why did did you? Did beat that frosted tip. Yeah, like I, I felt embarrassed about telling my frosted tip story, and now I kind of feel proud about it in comparison to Checkerboard Morris. Well, no, I mean, come on, Checkerboard is like kind of weird and 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 uh, and like and cool, quirky. <laughs> I don't know. Whereas frosted tips, you're just a douche. Yeah, but I feel like the Checkerboard <laughs> would get you beat up, whereas the frosted tips would you would be the person beating up the the Checkerboard head. Checkerhead. Yeah. So who's so who's the real hero of this I, moment? <laughs> I mean, I think neither of us are heroes. I think I think listeners will agree we're both losers. <laughs> we're reliving we're reliving fifteen years ago <laughs> on a podcast. <laughs> um uh, uh the uh Ni- nigel what's his name nigel giles giles, giles. Nigel. <laughs> i don't know man this is like, nigel crane yeah like giles is a better one um uh, his slideshow maybe is the funniest thing in this whole episode it's so great isn't it that little uh 
what is it? The, pro- the old school overhead projector yeah. that he's like drawn these pictures on to explain what's going on. And there are many things that make that moment great. <laughs> First, an overhead projector. Uh, second, the drawings themselves. Because he, for no reason, drew a picture of, first of all, of them cutting someone's heart open, (laughs) right? Which, okay, that that made sense. He had to show what they did. But then he did a second drawing that showed the blood coming out and him holding a heart in his hand. (laughs) It was so graphic (laughs) and completely unnecessary. He could have written the words, and they take the heart. Like, he could have written those words, right? Right? Yeah. Oh, it could be entirely text-based. Like, that was that was the best part about it. Like, there was nothing in... Like, did he need to draw a frumpy version of Buffy? <laughs> like, no, just for the comedy of yeah, it, he did. Yeah. And it was... It, like, it, it, was, it was such a solid little moment. Especially when you compare it with the speech-to-text program that the military was using... Mm, the little Stephen Hawking uh, cameo there. <laughs> yeah, but only only the boss gets to use speech to text. Everyone else is, <laughs> yeah. is using a sharpie. <laughs> I know they can read what she typed on the screen, but she still wants it to be said out loud. <laughs> so funny! Like that's privilege right there. But the kicker was that not like that was part of it. That was that was what made it funny. So he drew these things and spent like way too much time on these drawings. But then the other part was that he was super prepared for like every question they were going to ask. Like he had he he I'm I'm sure he had other drawings and thing and things he wrote that they didn't ask about. But he was like ready for it. You know, like what if they ask me <laughs> what if they ask me where they are? I don't know. I should I'll have one that says uh, I don't know where they are. He <laughs> didn't have them all ready so they could ask him anything and he'd be like boom 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 and it would show up on the screen. Well, Giles is uh, really was, good at his job. He he knows that sometimes you're going to have wasted material. Yeah, he took that way too seriously. That that little slide job. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I don't. I honestly don't know what I would have done if, like, I had just woken up and suddenly speech was gone from the world. I don't. You write you write stuff down. I'm, well, yeah, you know what? Maybe maybe I do know exactly what I do. I would have no problems in my life whatsoever because I have a cell phone. Yeah, we have we have texts now, so we can text people. Yeah, I guess mm-hmm. that solves most of the episode. Yeah, because you just text you in the morning. It's like, hey, I've lost my voice. Do you have your voice? I don't have my voice. Oh, my God, this is what's going on. The world's ending. Yeah, and, <laughs> and everyone has speech to text on their phones, so... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess, and, and well, no, you you couldn't have the recorded scream of someone, so I guess you still need to figure out how to how to beat the bad guys. But like, it seems like it would be much easier in today's era than yeah, what uh, twenty years ago, fifteen years ago, whenever Buffy was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this episode, uh, probably fifteen or so years ago, and then you could also throw your phone at the wooden box. <laughs> No, man, it would totally mess up my, uh, it would break the screen. Oh, yeah, you don't want to break the screen. (laughs) (laughs) Which is the thing about Buffy that I think is awesome. (laughs) That, like, this episode, they just had to break the wooden box. Like, that's all they had to do to win. But, uh, but the, the episode, like, the bad guys are, uh, and I guess this is part of the genius of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So the villains and the Vampire Slayer part is really just the MacGuffin. Yeah to tell a high school drama or in this case a college drama yeah well and 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 it's always been that way 
the entire angel plotline ends up being uh, a metaphor for virginity early on in the show. What else is there? I mean, like it, it, it is all just this high school drama. You're, you're totally right. Yeah, and like they use the, the which is the, I think the whole initial idea that Joss Whedon had was, was a vampire slayer, but a teenage girl. And so we explore the story of a teenage girl through killing vampires. And not only uh, a teenage girl, but like a teenage like uh, cheerleader girl that likes hairspray and dating. Well, and, and then they keep adding layers on to the ridiculousness of, of the Buffy world. So like there are, it's not just that there are vampires, of course, but there's magic and there's witches and fairy tales are mostly real and there's werewolves and they, they keep adding these sorts of layers and there's a cyborg at some point, blah, blah, blah. And they, they keep adding this, but you're kind of okay with all of it because that's not what it's about. It's not really about the fact that there are vampires. It's about the fact that there's this t- young teenage woman and her friends and they're, you know, just trying to make it through the world. Hey, like all of us are. Exactly. And even though none of us are vampire slayers, we are all teenage girls trying to make it through the world. I'm just a girl. Yeah, and and that that's kind of the thing that's really uh, cool about this episode is that even though none of us have been in a scenario where fairy tale monsters have stolen our voices and uh, we have to destroy their little magic box so that we can talk again, <laughs> we've all been in a scenario where the words that we have are ineffective. Sometimes uh, we make a podcast about it. Uh, other times it's just like it makes our interactions with each other difficult and and the the conversation between uh, Xander and Anya early on in the episode about how he can't express his feelings to her in a way that she finds adequate. Yeah, he just wants more orgasms. Is that what you said? Oh, man. So many orgasms. Was that the line? It was great. Yeah. And. Uh, oh yeah, all you care about is lots of orgasms, and mm-hmm. it has a realness to it that that is able to very easily transcend the ridiculousness of the moment that they're in. Yeah, it makes it. Uh, it's like yeah, it's it's a uh, it's like fairy tales. It's like all fantasy where it it takes an, a simple idea and turns it makes it really big, so that we can see it better. Well, and and this is the reason why I. I like something like Buffy the Vampire Slayer over, say, something like, let's say, Game of Thrones. Sure. I The idea of the characters seems so far removed from the world that I live in. I, 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 can't, I can't understand the, the, the world that they live in through parallels to my own life. And so it's harder for me to enjoy something like that. My my own humanity isn't reflected back at me through the show. Mm-hmm. But with Buffy, it is. Yeah, and it's not as if every television show needs to do that, but I think that Buffy is all the better for it because it is able to weave together these two, what could be competing and conflicting narratives, weave them together into what is an effective story. Yeah, you know, I, I, gotta, I wonder, there's a, a question for the universe people because i don't watch game of thrones either but buffy the vampire slayer as far as i know is is a is like a rewatchable thing like people watch it like all the time you know like like they'll rewatch it 
just when they're bored just to put it on because it's something that they enjoy watching. Do people do that with Game of Thrones? Or is Game of Thrones like a you watch it week to week and then you never think about it again and you don't go back to it just to watch the series again because it was it, nothing is epic anymore once you know it? That's a, that's a good question. Yeah, it's just a question for the universe. Like there are shows that I rewatch all the time. But there's also shows that I would never try and rewatch. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Okay, I got I got one more one more thing for you. Bring it on. Revelation fifteen one. You know, I meant to look it up and I didn't. I did look it up because I knew you would. Oh, what's Revelation? <laughs> or I knew I knew you would mean to. <laughs> but this is but the Revelation fifteen one is one of the things about Joss Whedon and his writing that I've always appreciated is that the idea behind something he has put lots of thought into Mm -hmm. and and really stewed over you know so like the idea of silence in this episode he really stewed over it before he wrote the the story because the the the, all of the things like all the big changes in the plot of like willow and that witch uh becoming friends i'm gonna put that in quotes because i'm pretty sure they become lovers right they yeah they they do eventually become lovers yeah and then buffy and the guy having to work out their relationship thing and with the episode where they realize that they're both vampire slayers is the one where they aren't allowed to speak so they have to like deal with that and like so like uh, Ni- nigel what's his name <laughs> giles giles's girlfriend coming to visit comes when they can't speak to each other and so like all that sort of stuff so he puts a lot of thought into the silence, but then also when it comes to the bad guys, he put a lot of thought into it. What's what's creepy if you can't scream while someone's cutting your heart out? These floating doctors, these really quiet things. And so Revelation fifteen one is, and I saw another sign in heaven, great and marvelous, seven angels having the last seven plagues, for in them is filled up the wrath of God. Hmm. So the seven gentlemen. Are the seven angels, uh, which I thought was pretty great. That is that is good. It's and and they don't directly tell us that in the episode, so we have to go uh, pull out our Bible to to get that moment. Yeah, and you, and it's like, and if you wanted to look it up, you could. Yeah, but if you don't, you don't need to. But it just shows that when Joss Whedon chose the seven gentlemen, he thought about it. Well, it makes me think of. Um, Aaron Sorkin's Take This Sabbath Day. It's an episode in the first season. Mm-hmm. Where one of the of the West of Wing. The West Wing. Sorry, uh, I I guess I just assumed that everyone would know immediately what I meant, even though I knew you knew. <laughs> I knew, but continue. Uh, so it's it's an episode where one of the char- uh, Jewish characters is is uh, at a sermon with his rabbi, and mm-hmm. and you only hear like two maybe three words of the sermon that the rabbi is saying before the character leaves but the entire sermon is is in reference to a particular sermon and it speaks very particularly to the context of the episode and that the the frame that the characters are in but you would only ever know that if you knew the sermon like you're, you're yes. it, it's not there in the episode itself. You have to go beyond the episode, and the only reason that I happen to know it is because I listened to a podcast where, where someone, uh, someone who is Jewish, pointed exactly that out, and it's that careful thoughtfulness of writing around the episode. It's not just what you see, but it's the world that goes beyond that. That is so 
it's so rare, I guess, to see that kind of writing in in what goes on mm-hmm. these days. And Joss Whedon, you're right, is a is definitely a master of it. Yeah, he thinks deeply about the stories, right? Yeah. Well, like like uh, like Giles when he does slideshows, he really thinks about what the depth of everything means and what music is going to best help do that slideshow. He put music on. <laughs> As we all know, Giles is just a stand-in character for Joss Whedon on this show. In case of emergency, use stairs. Next one-off, Mad Men, Season 4, Episode 7, The Suitcase. <laughs> 